Somebody said, well, where in the Bible does it mention the coronavirus? Well, it's not in the Bible. But what is in the Bible is 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, which says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I don't know what the day's going to bring. I've heard every nightmare scenario possible, and then I've also heard, oh, it's not going to be anything at all. I figure the truth falls somewhere in between all of that stuff. But what I do know is that when the world is trembling in fear, that is the time when the church must be the church. Amen. When we must rise up and be who we are. We're not, we're not given over to spirit of fear. We have a confidence. And our confidence is that our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in governments. Our hope is not in what, what uh, the, the World Health Organization is going to do or what some other entity is going to do. Our hope is not in any of that. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And if we put our trust in him and we put our faith in him, we can be confident he will take care of us. Amen. Amen. Another verse of scripture, Psalm 121. I'm actually going to read the whole psalm uh, simply because I like it so much. It says this. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I believe the King James says it this way. He that watcheth over you. Back up, bro. I'm trying to, I can't quote it. I got to read it. One, go back one verse. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. About the same, wasn't it? I thought it was different. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve your soul and the Lord shall preserve you going out and you're coming in from this time forth forevermore. Verse four said, behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. I want you to know that whatever happens in the next week, month or year, has not taken God by surprise. Amen. Whatever the circumstance and situation is, as it unfolds around the world, is not something that God was not prepared for. And he's going to take care, again, of his people and his church. I can't tell you how that, what that looks like. I can't tell you how that works out. I can tell you that, that this is a good time to be a little uh, careful and prudent. It's okay to wash your hands very frequently. Amen? If you can find... I, I went today to Walmart to buy some hand sanitizer to have down at the church just in case anybody needed it, and uh, there is no hand sanitizer. But my wife says soap and water is just as good or better. And, and so when you wash your hands, not just as good, she said better. When you wash your hands, wash them thoroughly. Like uh, they say, sing happy birthday to me twice. Uh, 30 seconds, I think, is what the doctors say. The point is, uh, it's okay. It's, it's not uh, giving over to a spirit of fear to protect yourself. Amen? It's okay to go buy some groceries and put them in your, your frig refrigerator and your freezer and stock up a little bit. That's okay, too. If you're looking for toilet paper, you might have a hard time finding it right now. But that's, that's I'm not sure what toilet paper has to do with the coronavirus, but it is what it is. I, I will say all of that, but I also say this. If we come to the place right now, 
we don't know what's going to happen. If we come to the place where they say that they do not want us to meet in public, we will move our services online and we'll continue to have church. Amen. We'll do whatever we've got to do, but we're going to be the church. And the church does not exist in isolation. It exists in community, and we will be in community. So this weekend, uh, we may try out Facebook Live and start trying to get our services where we're broadcasting a little bit so that if that moment arrives, we will be ready. Amen? So that it's not some difficult thing for us to do. But the, the technology is in place. It's easy. And so we're going to start getting ready in case the day comes and they say no public gatherings. Now, I don't think that day is going to come, but I didn't think they would cancel or they would change college sports the way they did today. The NCAA has stepped out and said there will be no, no audiences uh, for the rest of the basketball season, including the tournaments and playoffs and March Madness and all that. Those kids are going to play basketball in empty gymnasiums. Now, I don't know. I don't know if anybody else is going to follow suit, but if we reach that place like they have in, in places like Italy, we will still be the church, and we will still do it in community, and we will still uh, bind together and pray together and come together in the fellowship of faith. Amen? I can't tell you what that's going to look like. I can tell you in Rome, in ancient times, persecution drove the church underground. and They met in the catacombs underneath Rome. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that the church will always be the church in any environment, in any circumstance, in any situation, and we can put our trust in him and he will keep us. Amen. And so, like I say, I, I, I can't tell you what the picture looks like, but I can just tell you the church will be there. We'll be here. We'll be having service. And, and if, if, if you're not able to be here, we will be able to broadcast that online and make that available to you. If you have any questions or if you have any concerns, feel free to give me a call or come talk to me. Again, I encourage you to buy up some non-perishables and put them away. It's a good thing to do anyway. We live in an earthquake-prone region. Haven't had one in a while, but the last one was kind of big, like the river ran backwards for a week. So... Uh, it doesn't hurt to be prepared and ready. Amen? Amen? All right. You want to turn with me to the Word of God and let me get out of all that stuff and get back around to the Bible? Amen? Because the Bible's still true. That's what I want to do. I want to revisit the, the sermon I preached Sunday morning. I did not quite finish. And I, I know I'm in the middle of this Bible study, and I'm not going to make this a habit. But if you'll allow me for a few minutes, I want to go back to that, that thought. And I just want to try to get across a couple of things that uh, I didn't get all the way across Sunday morning. Is that okay? It's not very often that a sermon continues to, to work on my mind and not doesn't let go of me after I preached, even if I didn't finish it. There's a lot of times I don't finish my notes. There's not, I don't know of any other time other than now, that I felt like I needed to go back and and talk a little bit more about the subject. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Again, we're coming from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So I made this point. This was the main point I wanted to make Sunday morning, and I feel like I successfully made this point and drove it home. But God has prepared you 
for a purpose. That word stone is the Greek word lithos, which has to do with a stone that a craftsman has taken and shaped or hewn and prepared to fit into a structure. And, and that kind of structure, and we talked about it Sunday morning, every stone has a place and every stone is unique and made to fit in that place. And, and when the Bible calls you this stone, it's saying that God has shaped you. He has prepared you. He has fitted you for his purpose. But I want to make a clarification I did not make Sunday morning. That does not mean that God condones of any evil deeds that were committed to you or committed by you. Amen. That doesn't mean that if you were abused, that was part of God's plan and purpose and his goodwill for your life. Amen. That doesn't mean that if you went off and you committed all kind of sin and blasphemy, that was part of God's plan and purpose and goodwill for your life. Right. What it does mean, though, is that you are, as the scripture said that we read Sunday morning, you are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. When he called you, he was not ignorant of your past. He was not ignorant. As a matter of fact, the Bible, I, I believe that the call that God placed in your life was placed in your life from before you were ever born. Amen. I believe that God knew what you would endure. I'm not saying he, I don't believe he condones. I don't believe that he, he, he has uh, proposed that it would be that way or purpose that it would be that way. But I believe God knew what you were going to come to him with. And he called you according to that foreknowledge. He called you when, when he called you, he was not ignorant of what he was calling you from. He was not ignorant of what you will have gone through. He was not ignorant of the mistakes that you would have made that you, the things that you would have gone through and I want to tell somebody very strongly in the Holy Ghost your past does not disqualify you from being used by God he called you with that foreknowledge he knew what you were going to go through he knew the things that were going to happen in your life he knew the times that you were going to be abandoned he knew the times that you were going to be abused I'm not saying I don't want you to ever think for a moment that I wink at that and say well that was God's will for your life I don't believe it's God's will for anybody to be abused but I believe that he can take your abuse and he can turn it into a vehicle that he uses for his glory amen I'm firmly in the word of God here you are called according to your elect according to the foreknowledge of God your past does not disqualify you as a matter of fact in some ways your past the things that you've gone through the things that you've endured prepare you for the task that God is calling you to. In some ways, he puts you in a place where all of the baggage that you carried with you to the altar becomes an asset, not a liability to the kingdom of God. Sometimes we come to the, the altar and we're carrying all of our baggage and all of our faults and all of our failures and we lay that big stinking heap of garbage upon an altar and we ask him to wash us and cleanse us and we walk away and we leave that behind and we feel a hundred pounds like thousands pounds lighter amen anybody else ever feel that way and we don't think anything good could ever come out of that big pile of refuse and garbage that we brought to an altar but I'm here to tell you that God has a way of taking all of those things that are in your past all of those things that are that would have disqualified you all of those things that that you thought were the horror of tragedy in your life and using them for his eternal purpose amen 
Somewhere down the road, there's somebody who has encountered the same things you've encountered, been through the same things you've been through, and God takes you and he positions you so that you can minister from the pain that you endured to the pain that they are enduring. Amen? That's the power of your testimony. Your testimony doesn't begin at the altar. Your testimony begins, I was lost. I was bound. I was wrapped up in sin and despair. I was abused and neglected and forgotten. I was the least of the least. I was an outcast of society. But Jesus, amen? That's your testimony. And God takes those things and he's able to use them. That's part of what it means to be a prepared stone. That means that he takes that and he he works it and he shapes it. And all of your past and all of your experience and all of the stuff in your life that that you would like to leave behind you. And we hope you don't, we don't want you ever to get involved in again. Amen. I believe when you're free from sin, you're free from sin. I believe that when God sets you free from addiction, you don't go back to it. Amen? But all of that stuff, God is going to use. He shapes you and he molds you and he makes you. Consider David. God never condoned David's sin with Bathsheba. God never condoned the moral failure that happened in David's life. But you read the account. He takes David's sin and when David comes to him in repentance, he grafts that into the plan and purpose of God. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, is born out of the lineage of David. But he doesn't come from the lineage of David through some other bride. He comes from the lineage of David through Bathsheba and Solomon. Think about that. He takes that fault, that failure, that extreme, that, that was guilty, of punishable of a penalty of death. And he takes that when the man comes in repentance and bends his knee. That's the difference between Saul and David. Both failed God. Both were moral failures. The difference is how they responded to the conviction of God. And David repented, and God took his failure And yes, David paid a price. You reap what you sow. God is not a liar. Amen? God's not a man that he could lie. You reap what you sow. And David reaped what he sowed. There was a tremendously heavy penalty that he carried. He watched his baby die. He watched his child die. That was judgment. But God took those things from his past and grafted them into that perfect will and plan of God for his life. And the Messiah comes out of that lineage. That's a powerful statement then of what God will do and can do in your life. You, you, it doesn't matter what all you brought behind you or brought with you that came from your past. It doesn't matter the baggage, all that stuff. I don't believe there's any sin in the world that God can't cover in the blood of Jesus Christ. The only sin I know of is the sin of blasphemy, and you have to have been a believer to commit that. Amen? You have to have been spirit-filled to blaspheme against the Spirit. And so there's no sinner anywhere that brings anything to an altar of repentance for the first time that God's grace can't cover, that the blood of Jesus isn't enough to set them free. Amen? And so whenever he does that, it transforms their life and it makes them or makes you or makes any of us something that he can use and he uses that. Amen? Consider Paul, trained at the feet of Gamiel, 
a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a sworn enemy of the cross, the chief antagonist of the church. The blood of Stephen is on his hands. He held the coats and watched Stephen and, and didn't just watch, but he was approving of the action. He was part of the problem and he watched Stephen die. But when God tells Ananias to go to him, this is what God tells Ananias in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15. The Lord said to him, for he is a chosen vessel of of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. Listen, he hasn't repented of his sins yet. He hasn't been baptized in the name of Jesus yet. He hasn't received the gift of the Holy Ghost yet. Ananias hasn't preached to him yet. But God says of him, he is a chosen vessel of mine. Amen? That tells me God sees you in your fault and your failure and your unrepented state and knows what he can do with your life if you repent. Amen? That tells me that God has plan and purpose for your life. He doesn't condone of Saul's action. I don't believe he condones of Saul going out and killing folks and, and trying to destroy the church. But at the same time, he can take that. And Saul is perfectly shaped and perfectly crafted for the task that God has for him. Amen? That tells me then that right now, where you are right now, wherever you are with your current history... You are prepared for the level of ministry that God is calling you to right now. Amen? The task that he is calling you to right now, you are fully prepared for. He's not going to call you to something you're not prepared for. Amen? But that brings me to my second point. This is a lot of what I just said I covered Sunday morning, but this is something, I, this is where I did not get and I wanted to come back to tonight. Going just a step further. Second Peter, beginning again, or First Peter, beginning again in verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. He also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. According to Peter, we are prepared stones that are being built up into a spiritual house for a spiritual purpose. The rest of that verse said that you may offer spiritual sacrifice. So we're being built up into a spiritual house for a spiritual purpose. Last week, Sunday morning, I talked about how the verb coming at the beginning was in the present participle. You remember me talking about that and how I said that you're always coming? It, then the verb being built up is also in that, in that present, uh, it's present passive indicative is the verb tense. And what it, what it means is that it's an ongoing, constant, continual action. As a matter of fact, the New King James translates it are being built up. The building is ongoing. We are right now, you are being built up into a spiritual temple that is ever expanding. We don't have anything in our physical realm to compare to this. We, we have the idea that when you build something, eventually it gets built. But God said, I'm building a temple. I'm building a holy place. I'm building a holy house out of the people of God and is a temple that never finishes being built. Does that make sense? Amen. 
It's always expanding until the day the trumpet sounds. It's always growing. We are his people. We are his temple. We are his body. And that body is ever increasing. It is ever expanding. It is ever growing. And so the process is ongoing. It is continual. And so I want to tell somebody in this house on a Sunday morning, God has our Wednesday night. I'm still on Sunday morning. I mean, I'm still there. I'm sorry. God has not just prepared you. He is preparing you. Amen. This is not just about your past. This is not just about the things that you have been through. This is about your present and your future. This is about where you are and where you're going. He hasn't just shaped you and then abandoned you. He hasn't just shaped you and then when you came to the altar and you repented of your sins and you became one of his, you were the perfect stone and he plugged you in and he's done with you. That's not how it works, my friend. He's still building you. He's still shaping you. He's still working in your life. And he's still preparing you because tomorrow and the day after, the day after, the day after that, you're still going to be perfectly prepared for the ministry that he's calling you to. But that ministry may change. Amen. His calling won't change, but that ministry may change, and he's developing you, and he's shaping you, and he is preparing you. Amen? Don't put a period on your story just yet. Don't put an ending on your story just yet. God has a greater purpose, and everything in your life is contributing to that process of shaping you for his purpose. Everything, your job problems, everything, the sickness, everything, the, the trials and struggles with your family, everything that's going on in your life is contributing. You believe as a believer like I do that he orders the footsteps of a righteous man. He orders your way. He orders your day. Nothing takes you by surprise or takes him by surprise. He sets your path. He orders your feet and everything you encounter then is part of God's shaping. Amen. That's, that's the thing that we have to understand. I'm still under the master's chisel. I'm still a stone being shaped. And that temple is continually being built. That temple is continually expanding. And I am continually being prepared so that I always fit in that ever-expanding temple. We don't have a physical uh, object to point to and say, I can explain to you what it means to be a prepared stone once. I can explain to you what it means to come to an altar and repent of your sins and be ready to be plugged into the plan and purpose of God. But we don't have a physical representation of what it looks like to be part of an ever-expanding, ever-growing temple and being constantly shaped. Uh, amen. We tend to think of that shaping as taking stuff off. But I think this shaping is more about adding stuff to. Amen. It's about getting you ready and growing you and increasing you because that kingdom is growing, that temple is growing, that purpose is growing, and your calling will grow with you. Amen? So I'm not just a prepared stone. I'm a stone being prepared. And so as you move through your life, your purpose is going to shift. 
You're going to move from circumstance to circumstance and, and things are going to change and you're going to find yourself in different situations than you were in before. But the hand of God will continually be there chipping away at you or adding to you or whatever it is that he needs to do to make you fit perfectly into the new context of your life. Amen. Your life isn't static. Brother Ryan's a young man. He don't even know what it's like to be an old man. Brother John's a retired guy. He has no idea what it's like to be a young man. Different context, same calling. Amen? He prepares you when you're here for what you need here, but he shapes you along the way for what you're going to need when you get back there where David is. He was trying to hide behind the pew. Amen? He's afraid I was going to call him ancient or something. He's working you. He's shaping you. He is preparing you for wherever he places you. Does that make sense? Is everybody still with me? Yeah. What that means then, and this is where I need you to open your ears to understand. That means you're going through some things right now that may not make sense to you. You'll go through some things in the moment that don't make sense in your current context. You will encounter some things along the way that you have to scratch your head and say, I, I can't figure this out. This, this doesn't seem to fit anywhere. This, I, I shouldn't have to go through this. I, I shouldn't have to endure this. But God's going to put you in places that prepare you. He's shaping you and he's preparing you because he knows what's coming next. All you can see is your current context. All you can see is your current situation. All you can see is where you are. But God sees down the road and he's shaping you and he's preparing you for what you have not yet encountered. Which is why you'll find yourself in places where your circumstances just don't seem to fit your context. Amen? It just doesn't seem to make sense. That's why Paul said sometimes we got to walk by faith because we cannot trust what we see with our eyes. It doesn't make sense. We got to we got to trust the Lord and just keep carrying on and keep we got to believe that he has a purpose in my pain. We got to believe that he has a purpose in my trial. We got to believe that he has a plan that's working through the tragedy that I find myself in. It doesn't make any sense to me. I've been faithful to him. I've been obedient obedient to him. I followed him. I've given my life to him. I shouldn't have to walk through the valley. That's what my flesh says. That's what the carnal senses say. Amen. That's what I can see. That's what I can understand. But what I don't understand is what he's shaping me for. Amen. What he's preparing me for. He's moving me. He's shaping me. He's preparing me constantly and continually. I will never reach a place where I am no longer being shaped. I will never reach a place where I'm no longer being changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so get this. Open your ears again for understanding. The process of your preparation may not make sense to your flesh. The process of your preparation may not make sense to your carnal mind. 
the circumstances, the events, the trials that will shape you and prepare you may not make sense to you. You may not be able to reason them out. You may not ever fully understand them. From this side, it's going to feel like betrayal. From this side, it's going to feel like abandonment. From this side, it's going to feel like your prayers didn't get answered. From this side, it's going to feel as if uh, there, there's just simply no answer, simply no understanding. But on the other side, somewhere down the road, you're going to look back uh, and you're going to see the hand of God uh, and how he was shaping and how he was moving and how he was preparing you and how he placed you perfectly where he wanted you to be. Don't trust what you can reason out in your mind. Don't trust what seems to make sense to you. God is shaping you. And listen, it said you're being built up into a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. I need to tell somebody in this house on a Wednesday night that God is shaping you. Hey, I got the night right. Wednesday night. That God is shaping you for a spiritual purpose. That's why it won't make sense to the carnal mind. Amen? All too often we try to understand the process from our reasoning. We try to understand the process from our carnal viewpoint. But God is looking at this differently than you're looking at it. He has called you to a spiritual purpose. And you're going to endure some things that are uncomfortable in the flesh because he's called you to a spiritual purpose. Amen? I, I can't understand it. I can't explain it to you. But spiritual power comes from, from the pain and despair of the flesh. I don't understand why it is. But there has to be an olive press before there can be olive oil. There has to be a time of breaking and a time of sacrifice and a time of, of undergoing the trouble and the trial before you emerge tried as pure gold. The scripture said, like the refiner, he sits over the fire and he takes the gold and he puts it in and burns out the impurities. I wish there was another process. Amen. I wish there was another way, but this spiritual purpose that he has for you, is going to require you to go through some things you don't understand, to endure some things that don't make sense, to go through some moments of pain. Amen. I want very much to lose a little weight, and I wish I could find an easier way to do it. But I, I, I find that the only way to do it is to bring my body under subjection. That's what Paul said. I'm firmly in the word there. I've been going to the gym. I wish there was an easy way to do this. It gets kind of old after a little while. But there's only one way to do it. You got to break it down before you can build it up. You got to put a little blood, sweat, and tears in it before you can lose a little of this extra stuff that we carry around. I know that's not a popular message to preach, but it's the truth anyway. Amen. You've got you to bring the body under subjection. Sometimes God's going to put you in places that are bringing your carnal mind and your carnal man under subjection. It should not be this way. But sometimes it takes tragedy to put us on our knees. It should not be this way, but sometimes it takes trial and, and sickness to put us in a place where we'll seek the face of God. He's going to move you through those things because he's crafting you on a spiritual level. He's shaping you on a spiritual level for a spiritual purpose. And it may never make sense to you. You may never reach a place in your life where you understand why you went through what you went through. But you have to trust the process.
because he knows what he's doing. Amen. One of my favorite moments in Scripture is in Genesis chapter 18 where Abraham is wrestling with God for the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he asks a critically important question in Genesis 18 and 25. He says, far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, this is the question, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I'll tell you something, honey, you can count on it. He will always do right. He will always do right. That doesn't mean you'll always understand it. That doesn't mean it'll always make sense to you. That doesn't mean you'll always come to the place that you can wrap your mind around it, but you can trust that it means that that he's always going to do right by you, and you can always put your confidence and trust in him. That's why Job can say, even if he takes my life, still I will trust him. Amen? Because Job understands a principle. I don't know why. I don't know why I've got to go through this. I don't know why I've got to endure this. But the Lord of all the earth, uh, he will do that which is right. Uh, The Lord of all the earth, uh, he will do right by me. And I'm here to tell you, wherever he takes you and whatever he takes you through and whatever it is that you encounter in your life, you can trust the process. He's shaping you. You can't see the end. You don't know where he's taking you. You don't know what you're going through but he's shaping you for his purpose amen Amen. think of joseph blessed by god with dreams of grandeur visions sent by god everybody bowing at his feet but while those visions allow him brother john to catch a glimpse of the end they never showed him the process and the process will sometimes Mock the promise. The process will sometimes make you question your calling. But that's okay. When the process mocks the promise, you hold on to the promise. Because God will always keep his word. Joseph's journey is filled with trial and heartache. He's sold into slavery, believed to be dead, but not abandoned by God. Because God was shaping him. He's falsely accused, thrown into prison, but not forsaken by God. Because God is shaping him. He's wrongfully imprisoned and tragically forgotten but not forgotten by God because God is shaping him through the entire process of Joseph's life. God is moving him strategically, shaping him and preparing him and bringing him to the place that he was uniquely prepared for. And at the end of the story, there is no one who could ever have filled Joseph's place. Joseph was made precisely for that moment. Genesis 50 and 20 contains a moment where Joseph, after Abraham has passed away, his brothers think that maybe he will take revenge on them. They send word of apology to him, and, and Joseph responds with a moment of insight and revelation. This is what he said, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about as bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. You know, so often... 
We misquote that. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for my good. That's not what it says. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for the good of many. Sometimes what God uses me to accomplish in those around me won't always be for my good. Sometimes it's going to put me in difficult places. It may even despair my life. It may even cost me everything. But if God can be glorified, I'm his to spend. Amen? I'm the coin in the master's hand. And if he gets the glory, it's his sovereign right to use my life. Amen? So Joseph said, it's not that God meant it for my good. God meant it for good. He multiplied. He preserved the people. The situation I encountered was bad. It was evil. It was terrible. But God worked a work of preservation. Amen? I've got 12 minutes, and I've got one more point. Can you bear with me for 12 more minutes? I'll try to tie it all together. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, again. You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A prepared stone, and I made this statement in the altar service Sunday morning, and I just want to clear, I want to build on it for just a moment. A prepared stone is useless by itself. It fulfills its purpose only when it's incorporated into a larger building. Your purpose is achieved in the community, in the fellowship of the church. You cannot accomplish what it is that God has you to do, has for you to do alone. You can't isolate yourself from the fellowship of the church and accomplish his plan and purpose for your life. Amen. You can't be a Christian in seclusion and accomplish what it is that God has for you. We together are fitly framed together into that spiritual house. We together are being built up. I'm a prepared stone. You're a prepared stone. And together we are being built up into that spiritual tabernacle where God dwells. So you are prepared for a purpose that works with the rest of the body of Christ. And in order to achieve your purpose, you have to be plugged into the body of Christ. That's what it means to be a prepared stone. Can I get an amen? amen. Together then, we form a new priesthood. That's what it said. We form a, a spiritual priesthood, the holy priesthood that we may offer spiritual sacrifices. The priest is the person who has access to God and whose task it is to bring others to him. And as, as what it's saying about priesthood, what it's telling us is uh, in, in ancient days the, the, the priesthood was privileged. Only the priesthood had access to God. And so as a, as a member of that priesthood, you, priesthood, you have 24-7 access to God. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? He hears you cry. He knows when you pray. But that alone is not the reason why he's called you into holy priesthood. The Latin word for priest is pontifex. It means bridge builder. And the priest is someone who builds bridges for others to come into contact with God.
A priest is not a priest for his own purpose. A priest is not a priest to accomplish his own ends. A priest is a priest to be a mediator in between God and man. A priest is a priest to be an advocate in between people and a holy God. And as a priest, we're called to build bridges. That's our calling. That's our purpose. We have the duty and privilege of bringing others to Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like to live out your faith at the intersection of, uh, of being both the elect of God and strangers and pilgrims in this world. We are called by him to build a bridge to bring others into his presence. Our lives become the billboards upon which God broadcasts a message of hope to the hopeless. The circumstances of our lives become the sermons that God preaches to a lost world through our lives. The, the things that happen to us and the things that we go through become the way that God broadcasts his message of love and hope and mercy to those who have no love and are hopeless and know no mercy. Amen. You have to be willing to let your life be used by God. Amen. That means even if I've got to walk through the valley, I do it for the glory of God. That means that even if I've got to go through trying circumstances, I do it for the glory of God. And as a spiritual priesthood, we, we offer ourselves a spiritual sacrifices, that, that, that God builds a bridge through us to bring others to the cross through the life that we live before them. And we accomplish that purpose, not in isolation, not alone, not separate, not all by ourselves. We accomplish that purpose in community. We together are the body of Christ. If you've ever wondered why you're here, if you ever asked that cosmic question, what does my life mean? And why does it matter? I have an answer for you. God has called you according to a purpose, his purpose, and his purpose for your life fits into the purpose for the body of Christ. And you will accomplish that purpose in community and fellowship with the people who are called by the name of Jesus, baptized in that wonderful name and filled with his spirit. You are a prepared stone and you're built up into a spiritual house so that you can testify of the mighty power of God to witness to others, to reach others with the gospel. Our lives are to be a testimony. We're living sacrifices. Amen. Amen. Through all of that, I have only spoken of the word stone. I haven't yet begun to describe the word living. For what Peter uses an adjective, you're a living prepared stone. You're not just a shape stone. You're a living shape stone. There's a, there's a contrast there between the dead stones of the old temple and the living stones of this new temple. The difference is life, and that life comes to the Spirit of God that inhabits you. It's a tremendous dichotomy. It is a lesson for a different night. I'm not going to try to get into that. I'm going to leave a little meat on that bone, if you will. But I want to tell somebody in this house on a, on a Sunday morning. I, I was supposed to preach this Sunday morning. Trust the process. I can't tell you what the days and weeks ahead hold. But I can tell you, you are being built. You are being shaped. 
you're being prepared. God has a purpose, not just for your life, but for this church and for his church at large around the world. And he has a place where you fit in that plan. And everything you're going through right now is preparing you. And everything you'll go through tomorrow and the day after the day after that, it's all about shaping you. Trust the process. He's going to do right by you. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? 7.55. I did tonight what I could not do Sunday. I got done. I'm leaving meat on the bone. One of these days we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the difference between dead stones and living stones. You can be prepared and be dead. And if you're prepared and dead, you're useless. Or you can be prepared and be spirit-filled. You can be carnally minded or you can be spiritually minded. Let me put it in the language of Scripture. You can be animated and motivated by that which is carnal or you can be animated and motivated by that which is spiritual. And as a spiritual, as a living stone, you will accomplish your purpose. As a dead stone, you will never accomplish what God has for you. The carnal mind, the Scripture says, is enmity against God makes war against God but the spiritual mind that's what that's why Paul would say to the Philippian church let the same mind uh, which also was in Christ Jesus be in you let it be formed in you that's what it means to be spiritually minded that's what it means to be a living stone another lesson another night hey look at your neighbor and say thank God amen why don't you pray with me Lord